Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Pure Hoops Podcast, Episode 7. I am in Los Angeles sitting with BJ Armstrong to do the show. We're going to dig into Draymond Green, the legacy of Dwayne Wade, go through some finals contenders and pretenders, along with Go Back to the 90s. Pure Hoops Podcast, time to check ball. Let's go. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops Podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Pure Hoops Podcast with BJ and myself is one of three weekly shows in the Pure Hoops Media family. Our show drops each Friday. We also present Catch and Shoot with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko with a new show each Wednesday. Their previous two guests were George Carl and veteran NBA official Steve Javi. And each Monday, we have the Mike Wise Show, which used to be the Wise-Ass Show. Please listen, subscribe, download, rate, review, and enjoy. Pure Hoops Podcast, Episode 7. We're seven in, my friend. I am in Los Angeles in the office of the one and only BJ Armstrong. My man, it's great to be back in person. I'm literally fresh off the plane. I apologize that I'm in uh, travel sweats. I'm, uh, I'm on the road, but I've got my game face on. And uh, it's good to be back in the same room. How are we doing? I can't complain. It's good to see you. You've been traveling uh, all, what, night? I had an early morning. Early I morning. I had the 7.30 out of Newark. Ooh. So I was up at 5. Oh, that's the not bad. The bags were packed. That's not bad. That's not bad. Had trouble winding down last night for multiple basketball and personal reasons. How come? Would you we'll, we'll get, we'll would get you, to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. For those listening who know me well, uh, my basketball fanship is uh, probably the only negative thing in my life right now. Everything else is, re- everything else is really good. <laughs> I'm making movies. I'm sitting here with BJ Armstrong. I've got Bruce Bernstein producing us. Pure Hoops Media is doing well. Um, but you know, it's, it's, as we both know, there's never a shortage of storylines. There's never a shortage of things to get into. And, um, as fate would have it, we have some news, uh, involving you this week and, and Mr. Draymond Green. And, um, I'm glad we're in the same room to, to chop it up because I I wouldn't feel great about having this conversation 3000 miles away. So, News comes out that Draymond has uh, signed with Clutch Sports and um, would love to hear how you're feeling, what went on in terms of what you're comfortable sharing, and um, how it all went. Well, in this business, in, the, in this business, in the representation business, that's just the nature of the beast. You know, you're going to have uh, kids who change. Uh, you know, whether it change representation or move or, or what have you. But that's just the nature of the business. You understand that part of the business. 
and you're dealing with young people and they do that. So uh, the relationships that you have with people, you cherish those moments. Uh, but you understand that this is a very volatile business. No doubt about it. You know, players are going to, you know, change. Some you're going to, they're going to change to you and some are going to leave. So um, people who work in this business, they understand that and then you move on. So, you know, he's uh, he's a good friend and will continue to be a good friend. But that is the nature of the business. And you know what? You move on and you move to the next to the next place. So. Um, but that's just definitely what you've come to understand if you're going to be in this business, especially if you're going to be successful in this business, is that you have to continue to move forward and move on and do and stay principled to the principles that you have in this business. So um, doesn't make it good or bad, right or wrong, but you do what you do and you feel comfortable with. And um, I, I think when you come into this business, you understand it. You understand the relationships that you need to build. You understand the importance of what it is when you come into this and you're working with young people to help them understand the entire spectrum of this business and uh, building those relationships. How many how many years do you guys go back? Well, I've I haven't, him because since, I haven't uh, asked you this. You're both from Michigan. Yeah, so both. From, so I've been knowing him since oh god, since you know. And I'm old now. I can't even remember. But so like when I first started, you know, when he's in high school and just knowing being from Michigan and just watching him. So, you know, look, Draymond's a great kid. And, we, you know, we want to say he's a great kid. You know, he's ter terrific, a great player. And he's going to continue to do so. And um, but you know what? Things happen. And when I say things happen, um, you know, people are going to make. You know they're gonna they're they're gonna make different directions that they feel that they need to make at different times. People come in and out of your life at different times when they need you know the the do or feel that they have to have make changes. So, and that's fine. And you understand that, and I definitely understand that where I'm at in my life. And but you know what? When we see each other, we're gonna continue to have that same relationship and move forward. And you know this relationship. As I say with every client that I have, it's 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 business will never get in the way of our friendship because it has to be a real relationship. And that's and that's the way I've always approached it. And no matter whenever someone sees me, they know that I'm going to give it to them for real. Yep. It's going to always be real talk here on this side. No, and for sure, this is this is this isn't a business relationship where. I'm I'm doing it or saying something because you want me to say it or you need me to say it. No, I'm I'm going to have my views of it. You should have your views on it, and our relationship will always, always be above the business that we're doing. And I can live with it either way. Um, and and then you go from there. It's ironic. I guess a, a certain perspective here. It's ironic that the agency that's been in the middle of all this controversy during this season and i don't know the inner workings of clutch sports i only know what i hear and through some unique conversations i have but you know i don't know what is going on with trying to get anthony davis out of new orleans and him ending up in la or in boston or somewhere else and and you've had your feelings on that that you've shared i just it's just strange and the league continues to be this ongoing story that feels like a film that feels like a soap opera that it's clutch that he's going to and we're doing this show together it's just it, the world is so small and there's so many coincidences so um obviously you've been 
a class act in every lane you've been in in the league. So, you know, pressing you on your feelings on clutch is going to be obviously uh, from a place of respect and from a place looking at it as a business. Um, is there a relationship between you and clutch sports? Is this just something where you guys, as far as Wasserman and clutch just exist in the agency space with everyone else? Um, I guess I want to learn and I want our audience to learn kind of, you know, how this agency world works when guys are going from agency to agency, if, if, if that makes sense. Well, it's very easy to always pit one versus another. Um, once you've been in the line of fire or in, or in competition, you learn there is really no competition. The competition is always from within yourself. Uh, if you look at today's landscape, you know, the, the, the landscape and the term or the definition of an agent has changed drastically. You know, at one point, I remember, and, and this just goes back to my experience. I always go back to your experiences because talking about hurt or feelings, I'm not m really much of a, a touchy-feely type of person. Because when you play sports, you have to bypass your feelings if you're going to be successful. So you got to deal with the situation and think on your feet. But I remember about five or six years ago is when I first saw the change in what representation was. I was at a, I was at a recruiting meeting, and I remember this happening, and I thought, oh, wow, this business has really changed right in front of my, my eyes. When I first came into this business some 12, 15 years ago, the business was based on performance. That was the X factor. Mm. When you go to a meeting, you would talk about basketball. You would talk about a career. You didn't talk about winning, winning, winning statistics, you would talk standing about, in the league. Yeah, you, you would talk about not getting drafted wasn't the conversation. It was how do I have a career in the NBA? About five years after from the moment I came in the NBA, then you started to see the players just wanting to get drafted. Getting drafted became like hmm. a thing, right? That was like, I got to get to the green room. That was like a thing. Like, I would rather get drafted five than play 12 years in the NBA, right? That was like a thing, like. I got to get to the draft room. I got to get to the green room. I got to be a lottery pick. I got to be a lottery pick. I got to be showcased yes. that night, but I'm yeah, not yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah. I'm not thinking about what it's going to take to have a decade, decade career. There you go. So then uh, then about 5 years after that, about 8 to 10 years into this game, the, the something that, you know, I am going to share here with our audience that happened and then this is when it woke me up that this business is changing. First, I, I started to have all these meetings with all of these top players who are currently still playing. And there was no conversation ever about basketball. It was just about branding. <laughs> and one of these clients, I'll never forget it, who shall remain nameless. Fair. Said the following. I want Can to I ask one thing about the client? Is he still in the league? Still in the league. Okay. Said, wasn't a client, just a, a, a player. A player that's in the league. Said the following. I want to become the Kim Kardashian of the NBA. And I and, and that's and I remember sitting there 
when that was said, and I thought, this, this social media is for real. It's, it's real. Like, I didn't know what it was. You know, I thought, okay, it's interesting, but wasn't around in my generation, so it was kind of like, you know, I didn't, I didn't take it serious. But from when that moment came, I remember when, I remember when he said it. He said, I want to be the Kim Kardashian of the NBA. And I thought, oh, wow, this world has changed for me and my perception of it. But more importantly, this branding and, and how we view ourselves and Instagram and Facebook and all those things, it's real. Yep. It's real. Scary. And not only was it real, is in that meeting, not once did I talk about basketball and performance and playing to get your branding or get your, you know, whatever whatever deals you want to do, your promotional, whatever it is you're doing. All we talked about was, you know, how he was going to be the most popular or celebrity in the NBA. And I thought that's when it changed. Speed it to now, you see this is, you know, you know, you got guys that are investing in everyone. Everyone's doing something, okay? Multiple, this was multiple, multiple streams, streams of income. income. Okay, and this is, the, this is the, the thing that makes me smile more than anything is the, is, is the trading deadline this year was bigger than probably any storyline thus in the course of the season of the NBA took over Super Bowl week. And I remember sitting there with my wife and I said, here we are, we're like a week out from the Super Bowl and we're just talking about NBA trades. Most of them that didn't happen. And this is where we're at with the NBA. This is where we're at with sports. It's not sports as I knew it some 20, 30 years ago when I came in where you're competing and you're talking about um, competition and, you know, Celtics versus Lakers or Bulls versus Pistons or, you know. Now we're talking about it's like page six. It's just rumor after rumor. Not about what I'm doing. It's about what I'm going to do. It's literally, and, and we're sitting here in this office, and we're sitting at this this perfectly round-shaped table. The court's in the middle of the table, and everything you're talking about is happening on the perimeter. It's, everything. It's all the peripheral. That's. I want to talk about defensive rebounding. <laughs> I want to talk about beautiful ball movement and team offense. And, you know, we're talking about fucking Instagram followers and, and branding. And, and it's great for the business. That's but what, why do those things exist? It's, this is where Why we're do those things exist? And it happened to me. I, 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 remember, I remember. What, what was the voice? Besides you saying, you know, this is a different world now. Was right. there that voice in your head? That 1992 it, voice going off in your head being like, what the uh, hell is going on? Well, I, 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 I remember what I was thinking. I remember because it. It hit me that, oh, wow. But the thing I thought was sports doesn't exist. It's some type of hybrid now. Yeah. It's a, it's a hybrid of some, it resembles sports. It looks like sports, but it's more branding, marketing, promotion, 
of things that I can do outside. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I, I, I do this, but I'm not really this. Right. Where, you know, back then you. So, so question for you. And, and I think we're going to, before we pivot to the next thing, one last thing. Okay. We're going to make part of our show mission <laughs> to get back to real sports. But do you think, and it's ironic because I always wanted to do a series on this last group of guys that I felt connected us to the old school. It's KG, it's Kobe, it's Dirk, it's Pierce, it's D Wade, who I'm going to pivot to in a minute. But th- those guys still embodied so much of what you experienced, the rivalries, what was going on on the court, that grit before it became that. Do you think we're just we're long gone now? There's besides a few random guys here and there in the league. Do you think we're just there's no turning back? This is the way it's gonna be. As of now, as of today, I think this is what it is, right? Um, this is this is sports, you know. <laughs> you know, I just go back to these these moments that I, I that that catch me and they catch me by surprise. I was with the, I was with a I was with my kids actually, my two oldest kids, and we went to the NBA Finals last year. You know, those are always special moments, right? You know, you it's like let's go to the finals and let's go to the game. And the reason I'm sharing this story is because that was another moment for me that I realized this is what it is. My oldest son, who's 18, we're at the game. We're we're literally at the game. We're six rows up, eight rows up. We get to the game early. We we talk to the players. Players come over. Da da da. It's great. We're at the game. Something happens to the game, and my son reaches over and says, "Dad, check this out." He was showing me the highlights on Instagram. What just happened in front of me? Yep. Now, that was another moment for me. I said, "Oh wow, we're at the game." And my son, who's 18, great kid, showed me how kids today are viewing and watching sports. Yep. It's the highlight. We're at yep. the game. We're at the finals. We're, we're one of, what, 20,000 people in the entire world that's at the game. And my son, who's there, was showing me the highlight. On his phone. On his phone. Yeah. And I thought, that's what it is now. Yep. Yep. There's a reason why Bleacher Report bought the House of Highlights account. This is what it is. Yeah. And 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 real and real quick, when I was at Bleacher, which you know, did a lot of really exciting work there. Worked with some really good people. Also had my own issues with certain things. I got reamed out once because I didn't take the initiative to make a video of Steph Curry and his kid at the podium post game. Because I want to do video content about what happened in the game. And I'll leave it there. And I'll leave this, it there. This is, but to the, our audience who is listening, this is where it's at. I don't think it's going to change. No. There's, no, there's no reason to complain about it. No. It's just recognizing what it is. But you and I grew up in an era where performance was the determining, was the X factor in what we call greatness or competition or what made sports great it was the it was the the competition of the game that drew the headline it wasn't all the things that happened on the sideline now what's happening off the court is grabbing the headlines and the game is kind of a sideshow now yep the game is kind of an afterthought of what's going on so but it doesn't you know this is this is in 2019 
The one thing I will say is that the NBA is benefiting, I think, and the league is benefiting oh. from having their name big time year round in the headlines. Absolutely. So And that's only gonna increase. It's only gonna increase. For sure. So wrapping that up, you know, you have a great relationship with Draymond. We hope it remains that way, as you said. Um, you know, I've had the pleasure of interviewing him a couple of times, most recently for the DeMarcus Cousins Project, Cheap Plug, debuts April 13th on Showtime. Um, but that's part of this world and this business. That was fascinating. So, Dwayne Wade against the Warriors, Wednesday night. I'm getting the alerts. Wade wins game at buzzer. Mm-hmm. So, I'm thinking... All right, D. Wade is going to, you know, knock down one of those, you know, 17-foot fadeaway daggers. And then I pull up the replay, and it's literally like rec league, ball knocked out of his hands, falls right back to him, and the Warriors are just frozen, and that thing goes in at the buzzer. So I wanted to use that as as an introduction to, you know, we've been seeing this Dwayne Wade kind of curtain call happening the whole season. You know, when we were younger, we saw it with, you know, we saw it with Dr. J. We saw it with Kareem. Uh, We've seen it with uh, a bit with Duncan, but he didn't want the fanfare. Where does Dwayne Wade, and I'm not saying, oh, he's, you know, say he's third all time at his position, whatever it is, but in your eyes, where's Dwayne Wade? Where is he going to sit? on that all-time list of, of just combo guards, has won championships, what he's left out there on the floor, what he's meant to the game. What are your reflections on Wade's career as uh, the finish line is approaching? Well, as a young player, you know, I, I lived in Chicago for many years. So I had an opportunity to see him at, at, in high school as well and see how his career developed when he went to Marquette. Um, then he gets drafted. Um you know, he's had an incredible, incredible run. As, a, as an ex-player, as a, you know, a basketball, you know, as a fan of the game, you know, we, we love to play that game. Where does he rank in the all-time? Okay. First of all, I, don't, I, don't, I can't recall who's seen all of these players play, right? <laughs> right. Of course. And every yeah. era is different. And every, and I'm and I'm I'm enjoying that conversation more now because the eras now are so noticeably different. Right. What's unique about him is he's played across in my opinion, he's played across two different eras. Coming into the league in 03, the game is definitely different now than it was when he came in the league. Yes. Travel is different, the equipment is different, the rules are different. The rules are different. How you build teams, you know, skill set. You know, he wasn't a three-point shooter when he came into the league, and you know, you know, he, you learn how to take advantage of different aspects, you know, um, of your game as you mature in this league. The one thing about him is he he's been able to adapt, and I think that's the key to to success and having a having a career or a. a, a you know, I would say a, a long career, if you're going to have a career in this league, is you have to learn how to adapt. You have to learn how to adjust your game on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, many players, when they come into this league, the reason that these players don't have a career is because as a young player, you learn how to play with the ball. 
because you're always the best player on the team. The first thing you do when you come to the NBA is if you don't learn how to play without the ball, because only a few of you all will be able to do that. Right. Okay. And the, the thing about Dwayne Wade, when I knew he was, he got it, right? You know, when I, when I say got it, when I first came into this league in, in, the, in the late 80s, the biggest challenge was how quickly was it going to take for me to become a professional? Not become a good player, a great player, a starting player. No. How quickly can I become a professional and say, this is what it is. This is what I need to do to fit into this situation and keep it moving. Once I saw Dwayne Wade go from the first option with a team there in Miami to go to the second option when Shaq came, I said, oh, he gets it. Yep. He gets because it. Because he can still take over the game when needed. He gets it because – when you start saying who's the first option, who's the second option, who's the third option, that means nothing to a professional. What means something to a professional is we got to win this game. Yep. <laughs> okay? The, all the outside chatter means nothing. When you're a professional, you block out all of that and you focus in on that. Dwayne Wade won. Dwayne Wade won a championship and then – once you win or you get a little taste of that in this league, especially early in your career, it changes your entire focus. When LeBron came to the team and Chris Bosh came, Dwayne Wade, to me, was made the biggest adjustments in his game because Dwayne Wade was arguably a top-five player at that particular time. And Dwayne Wade figured out what he had to do and pick and choose times of the game or – times of like maybe take two or three games if someone else was playing well to figure out how to adjust as long as they won. And there were some growing pains there. And, 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 I, and I don't think people realize the challenge that Wade and Bosch had because Bosch obviously was, you know, 20 shots a game in Toronto, all-star teams barely getting into the playoffs, but he was the man. Then he had to go play that role in Miami. Right. And it was Wade's team. Until yes. LeBron got there, and they had to figure that out. He did, and 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 that that to me was, and I'm always intrigued with that because, you know, to a lesser degree, when I came into the league, I was a point guard. I was used to having the ball all the time, and when I came there, there was this guy that wore 23 that had the ball 99% of the time, and there was nothing else you could do about it. Yeah. And you're playing in an yeah, offense yeah, like nobody, nobody else, else runs in the league, so which my, which was completely different. In terms of your position, your right. position in that offense was completely different, and that—that that was a—I was a shock to me. I had never played before in high school. I always had the ball. I was the distributor in college. I always had the ball. I get to the NBA, my dream, and suddenly there's this guy who has the ball all the time, and there's nothing you can do about it because not only does he have the ball, he's really good at it. Yeah, he's—he's yeah. <laughs> he's incredible. Okay. So I learned very quickly that if I was going to play with this guy, I was going to have to learn how to shoot and shoot with distance to provide the spacing necessary for me to even have – give the coaches a reason to put me on the floor. I wasn't ever a shooter. If you look at my career in college, I wasn't a shooter. I was always a guy I got to the basket, did all the things in high school. You fooled everybody into thinking you've always been a great shooter, yeah, by the way. But, you but, fooled everybody. Well, I had to be—I had to be a pro, you know. Uh, and I—and I remember doing that, and I learned that from one of my teammates. Like, 
Bill Cartwright, when he came in this league, he was a 20-point scorer. Mm-hmm. When Bill Cartwright came to the Bulls, he was a defensive player. And I, and I was like – Adjustments. He made and an adjustment. And you said the word, adapting. So, so do you think part of Wade's greatness is, he, is the ability to, to, he, to pivot and adapt and change his game over yes, time? Yes, that, that's what made him a great player. That's what made him a great player. And every player that has played and had an opportunity to play for a length of time, you will see the adjustments in their game. Yeah. And his adjustments now in his game from when he first came into this league till now is like, you know what, that's the, that's the beauty of it. Because he doesn't have the legs. Father time never loses, yep. right? <laughs> You're not going to be able to jump in this game. And, and I always tell every player that comes in this league, you're going to walk away from this game with three things. Hopefully, you'll make some friends. Okay. Hopefully, you'll save a little money, you know, that you make in this league. You know, hopefully, you'll walk away with that. And then you're going to walk away with memories of the game. Yep. That's it. You're not going to walk away with that pretty jump shot. You're not going to walk away with the great, you know, Vince Carter is not going to walk away with the Vince Sanity that we all remember. Of course. Dominique didn't walk away with it. Michael didn't walk away with it. Michael at the end was shooting fadeaway jump shots. Father time is always going to win. But the, what you will walk away with is some fringes you make along the way. Hopefully you save a little money and memories of the game. And Dwayne Wade, in his comment today, this is a great memory. He created another memory. No. And that's all you walk away with, my friend. So And he walks away with three championships. Three championships. He and, had a and, great run at it. And, and hopefully some of those things you've shared – will rub off on younger guys. Yeah. And, and because the thing, I don't think they're emphasized enough, which goes back to our conversation before about what goes on on the floor. Right. And I and I and I hope the thing that's you know people remember about Dwayne Wade is that Dwayne Wade was a competitor and he accepted his challenge and his responsibility. And that's the one thing I always respected about him is he never ran away from his matchup. Yep. He always guarded the player at his position, he took on the Paul Pierce's, he took on the Kobe Bryant's, he took on the other great players, the Tracy McGrady's and all the great scorers that he played against, and he guarded his and he 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 guarded his matchup. And that's the one thing I respected about him is he didn't run away from that. And for that he should be applauded and respected and remembered as one of the great players that, that played in this game. Now where he stands, I didn't see everybody, but certainly I think in his era, he was one of the best, and I think we can all say that. Yep. And they are on the edge of the Eastern Conference playoffs right now, so we would love to see the Miami Heat in the playoffs to get a little more D-Wade in the postseason to, to write at least another uh, short chapter there. So speaking of playoffs, we're going to do a little uh, new exercise this week, a little rapid fire. Okay. Okay, got a list of teams here. And all I'm calling this is a finals contender check-in. I'm going to name the team. 30 seconds. You're just going to tell me if they're a contender or not and why. Ready? Denver Nuggets. Are they a contender? Are they a real finals contender? I don't think they're a real finals contender. Why? Uh, Lack of experience. Lack of experience. I think they are a good young team. I think they are a team that is um, making progress. They are a tough out at home. But I don't think they have the experience to close out a series. 
So you think as you get so you later th- into the playoffs. Okay. So you think the, the home court advantage they're going to win a first I round think, series and then roll the dice. I, I, I in think the they. I think with the right matchups they could get to the conference finals. Okay. I don't think they have the experience to overthrow the Golden State Warriors yet. Got it. Oklahoma City Thunder. Wild card. They have two players that can get you 35 points in any game in the in the in the series. Um, and both of them are fearless. They're battle tested. Now it's just about matchups for their role players. What I'm hoping we see is a Denver Oklahoma City second round to get to the Warriors. I think that would be a great series. Those teams are very different. They've had some heated battles this season. I think that could be a, a really good matchup. I think that would be a fabulous, fabulous matchup. You know, for for television, for fans. Um, but when you talk about the Warriors, you're going to have to have experience to beat them. You're going to be have to be really tested, you know. And Paul George right now is playing exceptional basketball. And Russell Westbrook is very capable of winning a series by himself. So if you're asking me the better matchup, I think it would be the, the Thunder at the moment because they have the experience. They yep. have the two players that can just go get it, yep. right? They can just go get it. They're going to be able to get you 30 points. Now, who's going to be that third or fourth score, or is it going to be yeah. Steven Adams? Change, or, changes for them every night. Every Schroeder's night, right? added a nice yeah, element Schro- to that team. Yep. So if I was the Warriors, I would want to play the Nuggets because they're inexperienced. Yeah. The Thunder. Ooh, Jokic against Boogie. Yeah, Ooh. The, the, the Thunder. They have. Oh, the, they're dangerous. They're real dangerous. The, the, the Thunder win game one. They're not celebrating. No. No. They're going after game two. <laughs> yep. You're following me. Yep. So anything that Denver does, it's going to be look at us. Right. It's, it's the a first time doing it. It's a first time doing it. It's and, a, and we're both fans of Mike Malone here, yeah, but they've got to go through it. Yeah, they've they have to go, go through it. But I think they can have the chance. This is, will be a great opportunity for them because they've had a great season. Pivoting to the east, Philadelphia 76ers. A work in progress. What do, uh, they, what do they have to do? They've added Tobias. We obviously know the kind of year Embiid has had. They've made these moves. What do they got to do to to challenge either the, the Bucks or the Raptors? Well, they haven't had enough time, in my opinion, to develop the relationships that's going to be needed to win a championship. Going through the regular season, you have a bad game, you move to the next city. You have a bad game now in Boston you got to sit in that hotel and sit in that city for two or three games to hear about how bad you played. <laughs> yeah. Tobias Harris and uh, Jimmy Butler haven't been in Philadelphia long enough right. with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to understand what is going to be needed and how to take a lesser role now knowing to get through this series because they're, they're all in contract situations. A yep. bad playoff series or a bad game for them right now. Yep, dollars, open market. It is what and, it is. And, and everything mm-hmm. this, that the Sixers are saying is their goal is to keep the four of these guys right. together. So now they lose. Let's say they play in the second round. They lose in the second round. Well, who are they going to blame? Right. Somebody's got to take the blame here. Right. Okay, so I don't think they've had enough time to develop the chemistry and the trust necessary. And the only thing that's going to allow them to do that is win. Winning covers a multitude of sins. The moment they don't win – Someone's going to take the blame. Yep. And someone's going to have to take that responsibility. And I don't think there has been enough time because it just happened during the course of this season of course. for them to develop the chemistry that's necessary to win. But I like their talent. 
you think about all they've added within the season. It's 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 kind of crazy, and they've they're 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 as you said, work in progress, figuring right. it out. They're right there. The Indiana Pacers are forty and twenty-two. They continue to win games without Oladipo, but I think it's safe to say, like whoever they play in the playoffs, they're going to give them hell. But that team isn't getting very far without Oladipo. Agree? Yeah. Well, you know, they have in today's game, right? We we put so much emphasis on the stars, but they they really have a collection of guys that are really good players and really good professionals in the NBA. You know, the kids Sabonis and the Collins and the Tyreek Evans and the Turners and all of the players that they have, when you add them all up, they're really good professional players. They're really good rotational players. Yep. They may not be the stars, but when you go one through ten, yep. it's a really good group. And they continue to do the little things that are keys to victory. And, 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 they, and, and they compete every single night. Yes, they do. And they have a collection of professionals. They have a, collect- a collection of pros there. Those those guys just play. They just plug away, right? They just keep playing. They just they do what they do. You have to beat them. They don't come in and lose the games. You know, Nate is is an excellent coach, um, and he's a, he's a he's a tough personality. He he coaches toughness. So, you know, this isn't a team that's going to be not prepared. This isn't a team that you're just going to come in and and bully them. You're going to have to come in and just have better talent, superior talent. And if you don't play, they'll beat you about thirty or forty points. Yeah. Um, so I, I like the group, um, but I think as you get deeper into the playoffs, you know, Kawhi Leonard is clearly the best player on the right. floor. They're just not going to have enough once they get you to know, a certain point. Joel Embiid is just a superior talent. Yeah. You know, Kyrie Irving, so forth, as you go, you get into the playoffs. But you got to go beat them, though. They're not going to just lay down and, and not come out and compete. But I like their crew. I like their team. I like their crew. But I think talent overall will probably win out uh, with that group. Okay, we're in crunch time in this segment. The final item here is, shockingly, the Boston Celtics. I made up my mind this morning when I got on the plane that I was not going to (laughs) pop off on how disappointed (laughs) I've become in what has been my favorite basketball team for my entire life. So I'm going to pose one question to you right now. Very simple. Are the Celtics just cooked? Do they not have it this season? Because you made a great point recently about groups staying together, trusting, learning, growing. Is this group this season, are they cooked? Well, when you're in the NBA, this league is about talent. This league is always, have been, always, will be, and in the future will continue about talent so let's you and i start there my friend and agree that this is a very talented group no argument okay when you have talent you always have a chance even though i am disappointed in how they've been playing in the regular season just like everyone else it's like how do you become a great shooter You don't worry about the shots you miss. Kyrie Irving will not hesitate to take a big shot. And when you get in a a playoff series and you have a mindset like a Kyrie Irving, if I say Kyrie Irving is going to go off 
three game three games in a row with 30 35 you're going to have a chance to win that game you're going to have a chance in the playoff series i'm, I'm with you but they're not I'm, I'm gonna tell you why i'm okay. gonna tell you why because playoff basketball is a different game than regular season basketball playoff basketball is a different game regular season basketball it is here's what it is i'm not saying excuse me to discredit what's going on in the regular season but what I am saying is playoff basketball is a different game. It's a different game. And Kyrie Irving is battle-tested. Okay. And he's the leader of that group. He's the leader of that group. Kyrie Irving is the only one that I see consistently that can go out there and score 30 points games no matter if you know what he's doing or not. You know, is Al Horford capable? Yeah. Is but that that's part of the issue, the the lack of overall team consistency. But you know this well as well as anybody. You have your scorer, but the consistency of defending, the consistency of rebounding, the consistency of playing together is is nowhere to be found. So so I'm gonna leave it with this. I'm gonna leave it with this for now because this has been a theme for us every week. Right now, today, okay. How far does this team go? I think they get. I I. I I'm going to stick to my what I said at the beginning of the year. I like the Celtics coming out of the East. I like the Celtics' talent. I like the Celtics' talent. Just so everybody knows, <laughs> I don't have anything on B.J. Armstrong. I have not, I, I, I have I like, not coerced him in any way to say the Celtics are coming out of the East. I like, I, the I, fact I, that you still see it is I great. I think they have the best team. Okay. Now, is Giannis right now the best player in the regular season? Yes. Without a doubt. Is Kawhi Leonard capable of being the best player once the playoffs begin? Without question. But if you're asking me who has the best team, because in my humble opinion, how you win in today's game, the way the game is played at the pace and the, and the, the, pace and the spacing that's provided, the Celtics, 1 through 10, are as good as anybody in the NBA. I'm not saying they got the best players. I'm not saying their top no, no. three the players are better. The depth is huge. I'm not saying their top three players is better than Steph Curry or Kevin Durant or their better Kawhi Leonard is, is, is or Kyrie Irving is better than Kawhi Leonard or the other guys in this league. What I am saying, one through ten, that's a darn good basketball team. And if you're going to play in this league, where I know I got to play against you in a seven-game series and I have to play my starters extended minutes. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. Extended minutes where we're all getting the same amount of rest and we all know the same plays and we've got time to prepare. I, I'll i take my chances with Rozier and Keith uh, – not Keith Smart, but Marcus, Marcus Smart. Smart and the Morrises and the Browns and the J – because that coming night after night after night, playing 42 to 43 minutes to beat this team four times. It's going to that's a different game. Where are you out? That's going to worry you. So, I'm going to just stick with it. Okay. Even though they're not playing well, I'm not going to flip back and forth, but I, I recognize they're not playing well, but I will say this. I like their team and that if that team gets it together in a series. Sometimes maybe they're just bored with the regular season. Who knows? I don't know. But whatever they're going to do, I'm going to always go with talent. I think they come out of the East. Back to the 90s we go. We are going back to the 90s. 
Last couple of episodes, we've kind of just weaved it in, but right. I'm getting back to this segment. So a conversation that I've loved having over the years that I really want to take your temperature on is, who's the best team the Bulls faced and beat in the finals? And there was always something about that 93 Suns team that was really fun. Barkley won the MVP, KJ, Thunder Dan, but obviously you had that stretch where so many interesting matchups in the Western Conference, starting 91 with the Lakers, 92 with the Blazers, 93 with the Suns, and then, of course, uh, the second three-peat was Sonics and then the Jazz twice. But in your stint with the Bulls during that three-peat, what was the uh, what was the toughest matchup? Who was the best team you guys played in the finals? Well, the, the toughest matchup, I think, in, in that, that segment where we did play the Lakers, I, I thought clearly – if I can just say who I thought the best player in the in those three was Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson clearly was the best player I think we played against, or we saw in those three championships. The first three, uh, Barkley was an MVP. He was playing the game at a super high level, uh, arguably the best basketball in his career. And uh, take nothing away from him and that team because that was a really good team. But in my opinion, the best team was was the '92 or was it, yeah '92 Portland Trailblazers. That team, you know, you had Terry Porter and Clyde Drexler at the guards. You had Jerome Kersey. You had Buck Williams. And then you had Kevin Duckworth. That was a really good team. And if I remember, I think Danny Ainge was coming Danny up Ainge, with Cliff, Cliff Robinson. Robinson. I mean, this was a really, really, really good team. And they beat us twice that year. Oh, wow. They beat us twice that, that year. That didn't happen often. No. So... This team had our respect. They had the athleticism to play with us because we were an athletic team. You know, we had Horace and Scotty and Michael. But they had the size with, with Duckworth and Buck Williams was as physical as anybody. And they had big guards. I mean, Danny Ainge and Clyde Drexler and Terry Porter. Um, so they, 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 you know, I think it was Wayne Cooper, I think, was on that team. They had a really good team. Mark and Bryant. Mark Bryant was Mark on Bryant was a really good bench um, big. I mean, they had a really, really good team. So that team was, you know, Rick Adelman, if I believe yeah. correctly. And they, were, and they were hungry because in 90, they lose to the Pistons. Right. In 91, they have the best record in the West. And I'll never forget the Danny Ainge quote. We had one bad weekend and we were wiped out of the playoffs when they lost to Magic in the that. Lakers. Right. And then they come back in 92 and obviously, you know, th yeah, that, I mean, that series went six, if I recall. Yeah, if I, I, recall. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, you, you had Danny Ainge, who was, who was coming off the bench, but he was clearly he could start in this league. Yep. Cliff Robinson, who went on, I think he was like an all-star or later, six man yep. later in yep. his career. You, you know, you had Buck Williams, and who was an all-star. You had Duckworth, who was an all-star. You had Clyde Drexler, who was always in the MVP. And, you know, so this was a, this was a terrific team. Um, they were a team that gave us the most problems because they were just as athletic, um, you know, as we were. And, you know, Clyde Drexler, I mean, at, at that point, there was some debate on, you know, who was better. You know, you're talking Clyde Drexler. Uh, and I remember, Jordan, and right? I remember that. I remember and that. And I think, you know, Jordan uh, made sure to let everybody know what the argument. Whatever, but, whatever fuel he could put in that fire. So, man. but, you know, and Clyde Drexler was a great player in his own right. So, if if I had to say what was the best team, that was always the best team. You know, Magic, you know, Magic was, he was Magic. And Charles was Charles. Um, but that Portland team, they caught our attention. Yeah. They had our attention. 
because we knew how dangerous they could be, and they were a great downhill team. Meaning, they could. Oh, they, oh, they get. They it had in, it they, going. Yeah. They had it going. So we not we couldn't utilize what was our biggest asset, which was our athleticism. Mm-hmm. We had to actually control the tempo of the game in order to beat them, and uh, we had the discipline to do it. But they were a team that really that we respected. I mean, because they were they were very capable. Quickly. Do you remember what the feeling was like in Chicago Stadium when you closed them out? Because the three chips, you win 91 in L.A., you win 93 in Phoenix. 92 was home. Do you 92. remember what Chicago Stadium felt like the night you closed them out? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, and I remember that was a huge learning experience for, for us because the first one we won on the home. At the, at the time, the series were 2-3-2. Two, two. Mm-hmm. And... Playing the first series prepared us for winning the second one because it's easier to win on the road because you don't have as many distractions. So we were very comfortable winning on the road because you don't have all the distractions that you have at home, the tickets, family, requests, and you're just in your room. You can turn the phone off, and then you're, you're good. Winning at home, there was an expectation, and I remember – uh, Coach Jackson and Phil Jackson um, telling us that winning at home is going to be the most difficult thing you guys have ever, ever have done. And we didn't get it. In that game that we closed them out, we were down, I think, 15 or 20 points going into the third quarter or something, going into the third or fourth quarter. Well, I just pulled up the series here. You guys won game one at home in a blowout. You lose game two at home. So right. it's 1-1 going back to Portland. You win game three to go up 2-1. Portland comes back and wins a close game four. You guys win game five in Portland. And then game six, for, I mean, this series was – it, it right well, well, this series is interesting. You have games in the hundreds, and then you've got games in, in the high 80s. So the, the final was uh, 97-93 in, uh, in, in game six. And, yeah, you outscored the Blazers 33-14 to in the in fourth, fourth quarter. We were down – the, the, the thing I remember about that was we were down. And the reason I remember that is because television and the arena has to be prepared whether you win or lose. And I remember walking in, the confetti was already ready. You saw the champagne was already ready. If we won, television had to be ready. Yep. And that's just yeah. all the wrong things right. you want to do for the other team. They're like, oh. Oh, they think the series is over. Yep. Okay. We were down huge. Okay. And the funny thing about that series that I remember was our bench, the most unlikely place that we thought was going to help us win this series. That's who brought us back in the fourth quarter. It wasn't Michael I'm, Jordan. I'm, I'm, I'm flashing back to it some was, Cliff Levingston scrappiness. It wasn't Scottie Pippen. It hmm. was Bobby Hansen. Myself, Stacy King, Scott Williams, we had a run. And I'll never forget it. And, and, and it, was a, it was just a great coaching lesson. We were down big. Phil Jackson was already preparing for the next game. Wow. We were preparing for the next game because you had to lose. Back then, you, you didn't just – you didn't play and let a team beat you. You had to lose and say, okay – because we're, we're trying to win the series. So he took the starters out, 
saying, okay, you guys go back. If we make a run, we make a run. But, hey, we're just going to – it is what it is. We were down big in this. We are down big. Long story short, we come back. And I'll never forget Phil Jackson calls a timeout. We got it rolling. It's rolling. We, we come back. I don't know. We come back big. We're playing against Clyde Drexler and these guys, and we come back, and the game now is ready. And I'll never forget Michael had, like, a towel. He always used to sit with a towel over his shoulders. And I remember he looked in at a timeout, and he said, Phil, put me back in, and I won't lose this game. And, and, but he said it with such conviction that the players who were playing was like, put that guy back in the game. <laughs> I mean, and as they say, the rest is history. He said it with such conviction, as as I like to say, basketball cinema. Yeah, right? it it was, it was like it was like I know I haven't been playing up to this point. Put me back in, and I'll win this game. And if you then he does it, thirty three points. He goes out and he wins the he puts him in. But the thing I respected about Phil was even though his best player wasn't playing well that game. The confidence that he had in him, even when he wasn't playing his best, he still had it. And that was, it was like a confidence booster to everyone is saying, yeah, we're going to play well because you're playing well right now, Eric. But it was this guy's job to close the game, even though he wasn't playing well. Yep. And that was such a great thing for me to see as a young player because to me, that's what sports is all about. You know your role. And Jordan's role was not to play the game, it was to close it. And we got the game close enough for him to close it. He did his job. We went in to win the championships, and the Bulls win six titles. But I remember that being the moment of winning at home is way more, it's 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 so difficult to win at home because the other team is seeing you get prepared for the for the for the for uh, for the celebration, and it's 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 hard. Great story. <laughs> Thank you for taking me back to the '90s today, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, with with everything else we talked about, we needed to go back there for a little while. There we are. We needed to go back. Okay, we're back to 2019 yeah. now. Great show. Covered a lot. Thank you, Bruce Bernstein. Thank you, Jeff Torini. Thank you to the Pure Hoops Media team. Um, and thank you, my friend, for uh, the lovely hospitality out here in L.A. Always. It's always thank great you. great sitting with you. All right. All right. Thank you. Until next week, the Pure Hoops podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Talk soon. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.